0: So uh, very good evening and welcome to everyone. i <clears> have <throat> um, turned up the volume a bit to help uh, somebody who requested that. I <laughs> just hope you can all hear and if it's too loud, um, I guess we'll hope it won't be too loud. <laughs> Try to mind the middle way this can be elusive sometimes. Okay, so yeah, welcome and uh, let's chant the refuges and Precepts together.
1: Namo Tassa bhagavato arahato sammasampu dasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sammasampu dasa Namo Tassa bhagavato arahato samba
0: sambuddha sa. Buddham saranam gajami. Dhammam saranam gajami. Sangam saranam gajami. Dutiyampi buddham saranam gyacami, Tuthiyampe Dhammam Sarnam
1: Gacchami Tuthiyampe Sangam Sarnam Gacchami
0: Tatiampi Puddham Sarnam Gacchami Tathiyampe Dhammam Sarnam Gacchami Tatiyampi sangham saranam gecchami Pannati pata veramani Sikha padam samadhyami
1: Adinadana veramani Sikha padam samadhyami
0: Abrahma where am I,
1: Sikapadam Samad Musawada, Where am I,
0: Sikapadam Samad Yami? Surah Marya Majapamadatana, Where Samadhyami Vikala Pojana, Veramani Sika Padam Samad Yami Naja Gita Vadita Visukhata Malakanda Vilepana Dharana Mandana Vibhusanatana Veramani Sika Sikha Padam Samadhyami Uchya Sayana Mahasayana sikapadam Ramani Sikha Padam Me Silam Magha Vala
1: Pachayo Hothu
0: So, um, uh, this evening I'd like to offer some reflections and teachings around uh, the area of uh, that experience of being hindered. Um, We're all very familiar with this experience, I think. Different ways, perhaps, in our practice at different times and in our life, where these uh, this, this character Mara shows up. If you know from the suttas, this, this sort of embodiment of of uh, you know the tempter. Of the, sometimes he he appears, kind of trying to trip, trip the Buddha up in some way. And uh, sometimes I, I, I think I don't always do this, but I like to give a one a talk, or make sure one of the teachers gives a one talk on the hindrances, or whatever. One, I, I'd like to invite you to see that category somewhat widely disturbance, whatever it is that you're encountering, you know, in your practice here or in your life, where. You know, there's, there's those energies, those emotions, those whatever it is, mental patterns that, you know, sort of <laughs> uh, cause trouble. And this sense of how, how helpful it is to turn towards them. I do, for some reason, I feel like it's kind of a bow to them. And there's sort of a sense of um, respect for them that they can be our teachers. And they can be our teachers. And in that sense, you know, uh, I can bow to them as my teachers. And it's it feels like sometimes, you know, we talk about turning towards what's difficult. That's something that rang in my ears from early on, from my teacher, Christina Feldman, you know, and repeated, turning towards oh, turning towards, oh, turning towards, was oh, difficult, okay, Christina, right, you know. And somehow, over the years, <laughs> something maybe, you know, can take a while, can't it? To, for these teachings to actually be understood and be embodied, be practiced, be somehow um, more um, possible, So, um, yeah, just a few reflections, and again, to really invite you to um, see if there's anything useful, then great, and if not, um, just to use the opportunity for us to be together, for you to uh, have that sense of supporting, being supported by, and just this occasion for gathering together and for hearing some teachings just take support for your practice, support for your heart, you know Um, and also I think sometimes I find it really helpful when I'm going over these teachings I realise this is one of my biggest piles in my notes (laughs) Um, that I'm going over and I'm preparing and I've really had this sense of wow always, always fresh, always like more to learn, to understand and Obviously when I'm talking to you yesterday and today, this was very much in my mind and I could hear sort of both uh, some of the challenges and, uh, you know, some of these hindrances around. And I could also hear a lot of skillfulness. So I think maybe because I was kind of had this theme in my mind a bit, I was like, wow, yeah, you know, <laughs> you give the talk. <laughs> um, and just because, you know, all of us have been practicing a long time here, lots of experience, and I think that you have a lot of wisdom and skillfulness and resourcefulness around what's difficult, you know. In, in And so I, I think it's sometimes just remembering that or what reminds us of that or just being, you know, kind of having... Oh yeah, you already know that, but now you've said it I'm like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> that would that might be helpful And and so this sense of um uh I sometimes think um when we yeah, it's this tricky thing about thinking about the hindrances um different from actually meeting them, right? Maybe for better and worse, you know? But just this sense of inviting you to really let the teaching speak to whatever is around for you in your experience, you know, that feels difficult. And just listen, let your heart really listen, you know, in that way of either the actual words and the practices or kind of, you know, between the words, under the, under the words. So There's what, you know, what kind of support your heart, your mind Kind of um, is 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 calling for, and of course these things can be very very subtle, or even quite rather unconscious perhaps at, at times. So, and one of my teachers always used to say, you know, this these these experiences are going to be with you a long time, probably. <laughs> so there's a sense of hearing the teachings, and again for me it's often that oh, okay you know, making, or trying to make peace with that sense of this is part of practice for all of us. You know, we can all sit here and sometimes look at other people and think, well, they don't look like they've got any hindrances. Wow, you know, I wish it was like that, you know, or whatever it might be. And, you know, sometimes, at times, that's true, and the hindrances are in abeyance, and how wonderful, but you can be sure it's not going to last. You know, I sort of... Have that sense of how helpful it is to recognize the, the sort of universal, almost impersonal sort of aspect of this, almost as if there's this. Ian you know, Mara's just sort of on the prowl around here, like, you know, and he goes and prods that one, and then he's over there whispering something to that one. It's like, we're all, you know, we're all in his territory in a way. Anyway, so, so, um, Nivarana, the, the Pali word, um, meaning obs- obscuration or veil or covering, which, again, like some, sometimes I, th- I think it's really interesting, isn't it? It's that, to me, you know, when I say that and I resonate with that, it's like, oh, that feels a bit different from calling it an obstacle or a hindrance. It's something you've got to kind of climb over or... Something like that. Whereas a covering, a veil, is something like, "Oh, I'm." It's almost like there's just something I'm not seeing. Right? Seeing is sort of occluded or clouded in some way, and so that I find kind of helpful. That perhaps sometimes, even even a a big upset or a hindrance or whatever it might be, there's a slight shift in view. There's a slight shift of attention. And actually, it can look and feel very different. It can almost evaporate. And I know that's not always the case, if only it was. Um, But just that sense of um, that that there's something here where we can, you know, the hindrance and that energy can feel so solid, can't it? Very kind of, you know, dense and like some kind of big planet in the middle of us, you know, the strong gravitational pull, and it can feel so real and solid. And sometimes I can connect a bit and with a sense of, well, what, actually the hindrance, it's, what if it's just a covering or a veil? That feels like that calls forth something, yeah, slightly different, perhaps more optimistic approach. (laughs) Or, you know, sort of somehow lightening it up a little bit, you know, I think. Yeah, so there's a wonderful quote from the Buddha, which I can't remember where it comes from, which I've sort of feels relevant to that. As you probably know, the nature of mind is radiant and pure. It is obscured by visiting defilements. Yeah. So it's, I don't know if that makes sense to you. It's like... I was going over this this afternoon, and I kind of connected with that sense of, you know, the purity and clarity of mind. His right, oh, no,
1: hmm,
0: yeah, maybe not one hundred percent pristine, but I, I was really struck by how just mind is clear, and mind's there's purity and clarity, and it, it kind of like a, a shift of view, like if I could almost see or sense the mind is having that quality, even if not, it's not complete and there's not, it's not sort of, yeah, completely, completely smooth. So I think that for me in practice, and when I reflect on this, I find it quite helpful to hold some sense of that um, wider or larger or that potential of the mind, but also of it's um, the sort of right now there is clarity, it's available, and so like a kind of, oh, uh, kind of waking up to that quality, and that that reveals what's here, which may not all be pure and lovely, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if that makes sense to you, but it just feels, and I think that kind of sense, I don't know, I haven't practiced much in the Tibetan tradition, but it feels like that's, oh, you know, it's already here. Well, it 's already here, and we kind of look over it, and so that to me resonates a bit with this sense of Nivarana this this mind with coverings on it so like to peel back the the veil so um, I'd like to share a, a poem I sometimes feel like uh, poetic images. Um, can be very helpful. Actually, before I read this, I share another image from the Buddha. Is I think it points to the vastness and the kind of of the chitta of the heart mind, not the manna, the manas, the thinking mind. But there's something which, to me, and you know, I make this gesture, it feels much more like a kind of big space. But I you know, that's also just an idea. But, um, the Buddha talked about the chitta, the mahachitta, the great mind, the mind made great. That comes up in different ways, And the boundless mind of the immeasurables, and um, the sense of when you when you're in touch with, if you like, that quality of the mind, or that aspect, or that you know the way that it can be perceived, or it is, or yeah, depending on. <laughs> Um, how you look at it um, that um, experience feels very different within that big
1: space
0: so I had experienced many many years ago on retreat where I was on a long retreat and you know it was one of those times where the mind is pretty quiet and calm you know like the great lake uh, the great lake It's a simile from the Buddha, and I remember talking to my teacher, and he suggested just put drop in a thought that often is a worry thought, like when you think that you go, "Ah," you know, Um, and and you know get really settled, grounded, connect with the calmness and the spaciousness, and then just like pop it in, like dropping a pebble into a lake or something. And I'm like, okay, let's see. So I did choose one of my, like, I think, I thought, yeah, this usually really activates. And so I was actually lying on the grass at Gaia House. And, um, and so I brought this thought to mind. And nothing happened. Nothing. Not even a ripple. So that has stayed with me <laughs> as a teaching. as like, Whoa. So that the, the 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 state of the mind you know, and that vastness and calmness, like it's like the mind is is not behaving it's not in the same way as when it's more contracted or unsteady or rippled or whatever, we'll go through the hindrance images in a, in a bit, but I find, I find that very interesting, and how even if we don't have a great depth of samadhi or you know perfect steadiness. It's like, just get really, you know, I don't know what it is for you, walking or whatever it might be, sitting in here. And then you just kind of connect with clarity and whatever groundedness is there. And then, you know, very intentionally bring to mind perhaps a thought of something that... And then see what happens. It's, it's like a... I mean, it might not. You might get all upset again, in which case, apologies. Like, um <clears throat> But it's it's maybe part of, of that experiment is the intentionality. You know, the really getting connected and connecting with the steadiness. And then somehow I, I feel that makes a big difference. And it's a teaching around, you know, experience being conditioned and co-arising. And it's like how experience form is dependent on so many different factors. But this great, this... Mahachitta, like the image of the grain of salt dissolving in a great lake, right so if you dissolve a grain of salt in say a teaspoonful of water it's going that water's going to be quite salty, as if you put the grain of salt in a big lake that that salty taste will probably be indiscernible. I think this is very very pertinent to the to the sense of how we cultivate around hindrances, both before, during and after, it's just one of the elements, one of the maybe helpful, skillful means of that view and that sense of how different things can feel and be and impact, you know, when when we're in touch with some of these wholesome qualities of mind to some degree. Yeah, so uh, I wanted to share with you a poem I often read as part of this theme. It's The Guesthouse by Rumi. This being human is a guest house. Every morning a new arrival. A joy, a depression, a meanness. meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. So again this sense of be having the sense, the view, the understanding, you know, from experience that, you know, like Christina was going, turn towards the difficult, turn towards the difficult. <laughs> this, this, is not just not just to make you more uncomfortable and to test your resilience and perseverance, but because it's actually helpful. It's it's a, a movement towards freedom and transformation. And so, uh, another great teacher, Thich Nhat Hanh, he said, or wrote, if we are aware of the paradise around us, it is because we have tasted suffering and we have learned how to practice with it and how to transform it into happiness. So... Um, maybe some inspiration some sense of yeah from our own experience or from teaching of the potential and i i do feel like that it's also something we really share we really can support others to to somehow maybe sometimes very indirectly through what we've worked through, worked with that is an offering to others I think you know and sometimes I can feel that from you know speaking with you, with Dharma friends I have that sort of transmission thing like just that intuitive sense this person's worked through some stuff and it's like um, that you know just intuitively that sense of appreciation and um, a sense of, yeah, being inspired by that. So maybe I'll just spend a bit of time, which is, again, all this, you know, this could be many talks or skillful means around what we encounter, as, what we see as being difficult. And, um... You know the the images, the similes that the Buddha uses can can offer some uh, hints. So a, aversion being likened to boiling water, and that may be different forms of aversion. You know, how does it feel to you? Does it feel like that? Does it feel like some other way? And maybe different different flavors of aversion can feel different different ways. But this You know that sort of heat of something heating up. Sometimes I'm like, so you get the hot bit, and then the bubbling and boiling, of the thaws, and how could they? And
1: this is so so
0: annoying, and whatever it is is so wrong. Um, And then it's like, okay, so the boiling water's needed. Take it off the heat. Take it off the heat. And so I've been exploring that a bit, like using these similes as well, how how does water cool down? And so that sense of understanding sort of what's feeding it. So I had this thing for a while where I would look at a certain thing and I would just get really annoyed. So I did just for a while, like, refrain from looking at it. It's like I could feel my mind pulling. You know how that does, it goes looking for the annoying bit. There it is. Yeah, they really shouldn't, and I
1: follow this. Whoa.
0: So I decided as not the only sort of answer, that to just not look, and it was very so interesting because I mean, why you know again hab- habitual, like a groove. And don't we talk about grooves in the mind, ruts, and why why the mind is pulled towards that suffering? You know, it almost feels like you know. Aren't we supposed to be, um, avert, you know? Aren't we supposed to be repelled by unpleasantness? This is almost like, no, I'm going to go there and really go for it. And and that sense of feeling that pull, like, okay, what's what's so, you know, what what is that? And then there can be some investigation. And so, I uh, this is one of these. It's a bit ongoing still for me, but I can really feel like. Wow, isn't it interesting that sometimes it can be such a small thing? Like if you described it to anyone else, they "Why are you getting all hot under the collar up that?" That seems like I mean, anyway, who knows? It's partly what it touches more deeply—a view we have, maybe of ourselves or others—that's like gets triggered, gets touched by that sight, that sound, that that thought, whatever it is. And so, I think I I have a sense that that. Uh, ongoing practices, healing, something more deep-seated, like a view of how life should be and how other people should be, and really kind of grasping at that view, and that that then becomes part of what is brought into mindfulness through seeing that experience and then through refraining and then almost seeing it more clearly, because then the mind is really going, no, you've got, you know, like it wants to go and look and get into that. So the pattern can be revealed more clearly from the refraining, which I think is very interesting. Also remembering a a sense desire one from retreat at Guy House. If any of you have been there, in the Hermitage Wing, you have a little kitchen and sometimes people would put treats on the counter inside the little kitchen. And so I was staying upstairs in the hermitage and I would go past the kitchen. And so I realized I was like, you know, subtly pretending I wasn't, but actually I was. Just looking through the clear glass, you know, the sort of cloudy glass of the door to see, see if I could see any objects on that area of the counter. You know, just like, so nobody would notice. I'm not really doing it. So I'm, And, you know, then if there was, you know, I might go in and see what it was, if it was something I wanted. And then what I started this practice of, I would just, you know, approaching the kitchen, seeing the doors, okay, let's get really, you know. Have the intention to just go up the stairs. (laughs) Just, Just go straight past the kitchen and just go upstairs. And what I could see for a while was this sort of thing, Oh God! The stairs of my mind would go in the kitchen, you know. It's like, hey, <laughs> come on, come on, you <laughs> know, like some naughty dog, like come on. And so that sense of that pattern and almost like being made more vivid and more strong in a way by by the the, the restraint. Anyway, we're straying a little here, but it's all in the isn't it in the ballpark of how we get. Um, Distracted. <laughs> so sense desire, yeah. Like the the simile, one of the similes the Buddha uses. It's like dyed water, water with coloured dye in it. You know, so everything you look at is sort of like that rose tinted spectacle kind of idea. And I think this is, well, you know, I know Ajahn Chichita talks about fairy dust. It's like things have fairy dust, and almost like my th- thing with the The annoyance, and then this thing with the Clare House kitchen. It's not even, it's not even seeing the thing. It's the thought of the thing, and then that gets fairy dust on it. I mean, (laughs) right? Uh, It's, it's, it's. uh, I mean, I think we must live a lot of our life in that sort of. You know, I remember once I sometimes mention this, I I love the sea, I love being by the sea, you know, it's just kind of a thing. So one time I was by the sea and I thought, I did this experiment where I just sat there and I looked at the sea. I thought, I wonder if I can just see it as completely neutral. So I sat there for a while to see if I could just let go of all that. I love it, it's so wonderful, it's beautiful. Uh, Um, And... Indeed, almost in a sh- sort of shockingly, the perception just calmed and lowered and faded, and it was like the sea became very neutral. And I was scared, I didn't like it, so I went back up to it being. Oh no, it's lovely! It's marvelous! It's beautiful! But the, it was great. It felt like a, an important insight into this partly how 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 the mind creates and it looks through a lens and. It's not that I can't go and enjoy the sea anymore, I definitely still do, but I think there's more of a sense of, you know, that projected promise that, you know, this is going to, ah, you know, this is going to, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. And that that's true with everything. Everything. (laughs) You know, including the jhanas. So, you know, that sense of how sense desire, I mean, there's a wholesome kind of happiness that we find in practice. But, you know, the Buddha's really saying, yeah, and that can take you a long way, and that can nourish nourish the chitta and be very beneficial for yourself and others. But ultimately, that also is to be let go. You no, know, It's to be known for what it is, and it's unstable, and it comes and goes like everything else. So I think that being able to... Um, sort of play play a bit maybe with looking through different lenses at things um, is is really really helpful i once trained myself to like olives that small triumph in life that i had really disliked them that was very unpleasant and i so again as an experiment i was like I wonder if I can train myself to like them. And anyway, various experiments, not all of which were... I started once... Was I doing something on retreat? I was training myself. When I saw a sheep, I would think dog. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was really unnerving, actually, because it started to work. And like every time I looked at a sheep, I thought dog. And I thought, no, I'm going to stop this. <laughs> this is not helpful. But it's it's kind of um, maybe exposing some of how conditioned and how, um, yeah, how conditioned our, our perceptions are. And we can play with them. So sloth and torpor like water full of algae. Um, or restlessness like water with wind rippling the surface. Uh, or doubt, like muddy water in a dark place. You know, so I think some of these images, or maybe the images that also you come up with, you know, there's this wonderful um, technique called focusing, I don't know if you're aware of that, but anyway, that, that was a, I think it's very, it's very similar to mindfulness of mind, which actually Annie's going to talk more about on, Tuesday. But this sense of like really tuning into our mind state, you know, you could say the hindrance or the disturbance or however the mind is and like, what is it like? And what is it like? And maybe sometimes even drawing or, you know, an image comes to mind or a phrase and sometimes it takes a while to, to get the thing that's really accurate the word the image the phrase because we're again with with what especially what's unpleasant in the hindrances there's a sense that we don't want to come close to it so I think because the unpleasantness and then the aversion to that but there's something anyway maybe for some of us really helpful again if maybe the more poetic sense or just you know well what what is it what is it like, so that it helps us to kind of understand that shape, that form, that energy um and sometimes an image, a simile like the Buddha uses so so many of them, is actually more accurate for what happens in the heart, you know and that whole you know memory perception, and all of all of that that's more accurate than a kind of you know a sentence you know. Um anyway, oh wow, I'm only like, I'm not barely getting through the introduction here. <laughs> so um, so maybe I'll just mention something you also probably really know about, but something I think is, has been really helpful, and I know it's to others, but you might find your own. I It's this kind of little structure for helping remind you. Of your resources, of your wisdom, of your compassion, of your skillful means around the difficult experiences. And that's a practice which I think first began with Michelle MacDonald. And it, there are four steps or aspects to it and then, which spell an acronym RAIN. And so I think I keep coming back to this. I keep coming back to it because I just think it's so practical. And sometimes when there's upset, you know, you don't have a lot of your rational mind available or, <laughs> you know, resources are a bit limited because you're all squished up or squeezed up or heated up or underneath a bunch of algae or whatever it might be. And to have a kind of practice with this, OK, recognize that what's going on, what's going on. Can I name anything here? Rage or whatever it might be. You know, and then what was it? What was the A? Well, I can remember I was really upset once and I go, What the hell was the A? It's like, come on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, accept, allow. That's, I don't want to do that, but somehow, you know, again, any port in a storm or just a little plank to hold on to in the ocean. Okay, allow, feeling, what am I feeling? What am I feeling? And I've got so many quotations from beloved teachers that I've come back to again and again to encourage this sense of open, allow, like Christina's mantra, turn towards it, turn towards it. Um, So let's see, um, Fred von Allman, if you know him, wonderful Swiss teacher. All that's really needed is careful, kind, presence and mindfulness. Oh, yeah. I like that. And then um, um, Pema Chodron. Uh, The healing comes from letting there be room for grief, for relief, for misery, for joy. The healing comes from letting there be room for grief, for relief, for misery, for joy. And I I don't know about you, but I, I feel like I need these reminders from my spiritual friends because sometimes it can feel so counterintuitive or I just want to get away from it or how do we make room, you know, softening, softening and opening the body, relaxing the body, what helps with that, you know, kind of coming from that way. Um, you know, just a very simple, sometimes, a very simple shift to just some kind of sense of kindness, compassion, or just, again, sometimes all I can manage is just sit there and don't do anything <laughs> and actually that is kind of that becomes the way in you know it's not very sophisticated and again when there's a lot of upset we need to have simple and so the accept can actually then allow the recognition so I think sometimes with this kind of formulation which I like so much it's like actually okay I need to just how am I feeling I don't know I don't know it's confused and that actually it's the... some of that accepting and allowing, welcoming... um, then, ah, we can... we have some better chance of recognizing and being able to name, you know, or express... I mean, you know me, I use a lot of noises and facial expressions, and, like, sometimes I feel that says it more clearly. but writing, or of drawing, or yeah, um, hmm, hmm. And then the eye of investigate. You know, and again, we 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 could spend a long time on this. And I was very inspired by a couple of people this week who were really talking, describing very skillful sort of investigation. Like, okay, what's what's going on here? what's going on here? And, and, and each time the, you know, the pattern repeated, which often, you know, the really troubling ones do, Is like, oh, learning a bit more about what's happening, what's the dynamic, what are the thoughts, what are the feelings, how, what's kind of, you know, going sort of, how is this thing feeding itself? Um, and then the non-identify, which I sort of mentioned near the beginning of the talk, which It's like this sort of wise perspective or wise view of, you know, sometimes I think maybe for some of us or sometimes that's the most helpful place to start, is getting some sense of uh, just human energy. Wow. (laughs) It does some strange things, destructive things, beautiful things. You know, it's like, it's a bit less personal. It's a bit less me and mine and this thing in here that I've got to figure out, you know. it's uh, okay. Kind of opening that out, finding ways of seeing it's, you know, again, you know, that shift from content to process. Or like Vedana, like I was mentioning yesterday unpleasant, Mm -hmm. Uh, um, unstable. Yeah, it's staying around a bit longer than I would like it to. feels pretty solid, but actually, if I'm really honest, it is changing. It does come and go somewhat. (laughs) Yeah, so... And I know this is all stuff that you know, but again, I think part of the intention I was connecting with in this talk is to really commend you to your own wisdom, and to your own resources, and to know that these, you know, the winds, I mean, how we're affected, we are such sensitive creatures, you know, the chitta, the heart-mind, and yet there's such strength, and there's such beauty, and there's such... Goodness, and that's so much of what we're doing here. At least in my view, is it's just remembering our goodness and connecting and cultivating a sense of connection with you know, clarity, you know, groundedness, um, restraint, and you know, so many other so many other qualities that are all incredibly supportive of our life and just you know, specifically in in regard to these, these experiences of, of, of hindrance, of obscuration, you know, of just feeling really confused and being able to just, um, confusion, Mm. no, Mm, just (laughs) do no harm. and be with that. Uh, what what's needed? Well, what would what would help? I oh, don't know. Okay, it's all right. Just stay with that. And this sense of uh, it's like the refuge quality that I was talking about last week. refuge in awareness, refuge even in not knowing what to do, refuge in not knowing what's going on. Refuge in not, not having all the right answers. Refuge in awareness. Refuge in Dhamma. You know, to the um, degree we can open to it. That's right here. All sort of available to us. I me, me just pull back the veil a little bit. And it comes shining through. So much more, um, well, I, I think actually what I'd like to do is share a chant with you to the, clo- for the close of the talk. And um, this is a new chant, I made it up recently, so you'll get the first to hear it and I hope you enjoy it. and. It, it's it's actually an equanimity chant. Somehow, I was this afternoon. It was it was kind of coming up, and I so I hope I can remember it because it's a bit new. And um, it was it was uh, it came out of a reflection on the equanimity and the elements: the sky, the sea, the land, and the sky, the sky. The sea, the land, the sun, and so um, I hope I can convey some of that, that spirit and that beauty. And feel free to join in. I'll just go on for a little repeats. It's fairly simple, Um, but also feel free not to join in. It's fine. It's just me singing it. I'm totally fine. So let's see.
1: Um. be at peace with all that comes be goes be at peace with this changing world be at peace with all that comes be at peace with that goes be at peace with this changing world be at peace with all that comes be at peace With all that goes Be at peace With this changing world Be at peace With all that comes Be at peace we goes. Be at peace with this changing world. Be at peace with all that comes. Be at peace With all that goes Be at peace With this changing world Be at peace With all that comes Be at peace with all that goes. Be at peace with this changing world. Be at peace with With this changing world. One more time. Be at peace. With all that comes. Be at peace. With all that goes. Be at peace. With this changing world
0: Let's close our time together this evening by sharing the blessings, sharing the blessings of our life, of our time here, sharing the blessings of our practice. Whatever merit, whatever benefit may come from our practice may be shared with all beings in all directions, may be shared freely. For the benefit of all beings everywhere. So.
1: Through
0: the goodness that arises from my practice May my spiritual teachers and guides of great virtue My mother, my father and my relatives The sun and the moon
1: and all virtuous leaders of the world, may the highest gods and evil forces, celestial beings, guardian spirits of the earth, and the lord of death,
0: may those who are friendly. Indifferent or hostile, may all beings receive the blessings of my life. May they soon attain the threefold bliss and realize the deathless through the goodness that arises from my practice. And through this act of sharing, may all desires and attachments quickly cease and all harmful states of mind until I realize Nibbāna. In every kind of birth, may I have an upright mind. With mindfulness and wisdom, austerity and vigor, may the forces of delusion not take hold, nor weaken my resolve. The Buddha is my excellent refuge. Unsurpassed is the protection of the Dhamma. The solitary Buddha is my noble guide. The Sangha is my supreme support. Through the supreme power of all these may darkness and illusion be dispelled.